you, Andrew. Okay, is everyone back? Thank you for staying for this. <clears throat> yes, yes. We're going to have a, a bit of a discussion here <clears throat> about the role of technology <clears throat> in the life of the believer. Um, I really think that we're not going to focus on whether you should have artificial heart valves or uh, <laughs> talk about technology in a broad way. Um, I'll just say this at the beginning that technology is part of God's providential care hmm. for his creation. God has given us good things richly to enjoy. And people make unguarded statements about technology that are very, very unwise mm -hmm. and very dishonoring to God. Yeah. And so, you know, please let's, let's be careful in what we say today. But I really want to focus, I'm deeply grateful for all the young people who are here. Uh, Clive has pla uh, firmly placed me in a different generation. <laughs> um, but... Um, I've done what he hasn't. I spent my professional career working for one of the largest technological companies in the world, IBM. And the subject of technology is something that's very near and dear to my heart. I've spent mm. a great deal of my life, apart from my spiritual life, working with technology. And so what we want to really focus on today is particularly the subject of social media because this is something that interfaces with all of our lives. I'm sitting here with an iPhone 7 in front of me, and there are choices that I, as a middle-aged and older person, need to make, and there are choices that, as a parent, that you make, hmm. and choices that young people are making, parents about what they allow their children to do and have access to. <clears throat> and so I think this is a really productive idea. I really respect the believers uh, here in Midland Park for taking this up because we're going to say some good things and we're going to say some hard things. Hmm. And I hope you take them in the spirit that we mean them because we do love you. But to go to what Clive is saying, we all want to reach the finish line. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. This has the power to help me reach the finish line. It has the power to utterly Amen. disqualify me. Mm -hmm. And so we need to take this really seriously. Hmm. And we're, we may say some light things that make you laugh, but we're dead serious about it. Now, I want to read two scriptures because I don't think that we ought to have Bible discussions without reading from the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, please, first of all. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And a little verse that expresses one of the most important principles in all of the Word of God. I'm going to just say something right now. If I only had one verse in the Bible to govern my entire life, this would be the verse. You ready? 1 mm -hmm. Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, mm -hmm. or whatsoever you do. Let me pause. There is not one millisecond of your life as a believer that is outside of the scope of this verse. Whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. This is anecdotal, but this, this verse has preserved me 
from spiritual failure in my life more times than I can tell you. Is this for the glory of God? You know, I have friends who come to me. I'm going to pick up one thing. Um, you mentioned the use of alcohol, for example. And you know, a lot of people want to argue about whether Christians can use alcohol or not. I'm just going to say this. This verse resolves the question for me. Do all for the glory of God. Second verse, 1 Thessalonians, please. And this is another verse that for me is one of those life verses. I, I hate these trendy little expressions like that. I really hate them, but I, I use them because people know what they mean. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 21. It just says this, prove all things. The Greek word here for prove is the word of the metallurgist, person who works with metal, particularly precious metal. And he puts that metal as an assayer, he puts it into the fire, he tests it for genuineness so that dross will be evident, so that what is real will be seen. Prove all things. Hold fast. This is a word of great tenacity. Hang on to, for all your life, that which is good. Now, against the backdrop of those two verses, here's what I want to say. Technology has promised us a great many things. I have listened on many occasions to men like Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. They were contemporaries with me when I was with IBM. And uh, to listen to these men speak, they, they, they almost sounded like they had a religion. They spoke of freedom and leisure and knowledge and connectedness and autonomy and power. Excuse me just for a minute, but sometimes I thought Bill Gates sounded like the serpent in the Garden of Eden. And please don't email him. <laughs> but you know what he was telling people? Ye shall be as gods. Mm -hmm. May I just say that we were promised the Garden of Eden, and in the main what we got was Sodom and Gomorrah. And technology has brought us slavery and anxiety, and isolation, and loneliness, and codependence, and weakness. And if you don't mind me just saying it, in some cases, just sheer stupidity. Mm -hmm. That's why it seems to me that as a Christian, I need to bring every part of my life into the searchlight of God's Word. Anybody here have a problem with that? There's nothing that has a right to be in my life that is not examined and evaluated by this book. Now, let me just say that when I look at things in the universe around me, I recognize that there are things, and, and, and it is not the issue of the thing. I want to be really careful here, and I don't want to be philosophical, but I want you to understand this point. Let's talk about a knife, for example. Is a knife a good or a bad thing? 
Well, if you use it to cut your roast beef, I would judge that a knife is a good thing. Everybody agree with that? I think so. Please don't eat with your hands, you know. Knife and fork is a sign of civilization. But if you use that same knife to stick in your, <laughs> your neighbor's back, obviously a knife is a very horrible thing. The, the, the point I'm trying to make is, we're not here to talk about whether, whether diodes and, and, and computer chips and, and, and physical objects are good or bad things. The bottom line is how these things are employed. To what use we place them. And here's what I want to get to. We have uncritically accepted, especially iPhones and things like that, we've accepted them into our life. In many cases, we have not thought about whether this is good or bad for us. Mm. You know, I. I'm reading things at times that deeply concern me. I saw a study recently, and I won't give you the percentage because I'm embarrassed by it, the number of women who would rather give up their husband than their iPhone. We laugh in this audience. It's a staggering truth that a significant number of people would be willing to do that. And so, what I want to say is this, when I was a young Christian, and I'm going to play the old man now for a minute, back in the 1950s, when I was a young person, there were people who looked askance at newspapers. They were worried about where sort of an unfiltered source of information would lead a Christian in their Christian life. There were people who preached on conference platforms against radios. I remember believers that bought new cars that unscrewed the radio from the dash and then taped up a Kember text over the hole. <laughs> True story. Kember text. Some of you remember it. I don't know if it was Kember text or not, was oh, it? Well, it was better. where he was. Sounds okay. Better with that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and we have listened to 20 or 30 years of preaching against television and the dangers of television. I'm not saying that they were wrong, I'm just saying that's what we listened to. But the fact of the matter is, when personal computers came in, preachers were the early adopters. There was never any preaching about it. People just brought them in. Nobody ever talked about whether this is a good or a bad thing. We just stuck it in our pockets, and away we went. I'm giving a long preamble here because I want you to test all things and to hold fast to that which is good. And I'm not talking here about what you're required to do at work because we're all required to be involved in technology in our secular lives. But I'm talking about that precious free time mm -hmm. that you have. Will it be spent Instagramming and FaceTiming and, and Facebooking your life away, or will you do all for the glory of God? Now, we're not going to give you any rules today. I know Brother Dan. He doesn't like rules. We're not going to talk about rules. And Brother Clive is raising a young family, and he knows that rules don't work very well. What we need are unchanging principles from the Amen. Word of God. Amen. That's what we really need. Principles will guide you and guard you in every possible way. So, really quickly, let me just say a couple of things. Technology cannot replace a relationship with God. Amen. 
You need to have time with him. I have, some new, I have a couple of new words in my vocabulary. I heard it from a fellow worker, and I was taken by He said, we all need to take a digital fast. Amen. I don't know if you know what that means. You know what that means? Turn off the electronics around you. Because God will not compete for your attention. Anybody got that? God's not going to talk over your iPhone. He's not going to do that. Because our God is a God of a still small voice. In the exceptional cases that God speaks loudly, you don't want him to be speaking to you. And so we need to understand that Bible programs are no substitute for reading and meditation. You need a quiet place in your life where God speaks to you and you speak to him. That place will not contain one of these. Secondly, technology cannot replace personal interaction with others. One of the observations in IBM and also in the broader technology world was simply this, that in the name of greater connectedness, people are more isolated and anxious than ever. That is a total disaster. And finally, technology cannot supply true happiness or peace. You're going to have to find that somewhere other than in your phone. And the Bible promises where that can be found and how that can be found. And I hope we'll talk about that a little today. So I have a couple things just to guide our conversation. Is that all right? Amen. Let's talk, first of all, maybe about our identity, who we actually are. Is it defined by how we present ourselves on social media? Am I living a superficial world of avatars or photoshopped pictures or curated collections of how cool I am? Or am I actually living in Realville, mm-hmm. where what I am before God is the defining feature of who I am? We'll talk a little bit about your privacy. I'm going to tell you something that most people are unaware of. God is a very private God. He really only discloses himself to people that he knows and trusts. I mean, he shows a little his eternal power and Godhead in the creation, but God discloses himself on a very careful basis. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. Hmm. I want to talk about the will of God and your community, a little bit about who you are friends with. And I want to talk just a little bit about your efficiency, how you use your time. And then maybe what we have to talk about is your purity. And I don't know how this affects the sisters here, but the issue of pornography is one that terrifies me personally. Mm. I don't want to fall into that dark pit. The problem is, and I'm ashamed to admit that I know how it could be done, that before I finish this sentence, Mm -hmm. I could be looking at something on this phone that would defile me and I think disqualify me Mm. from some kinds of service for God. So let's just talk about this first of all. Let's talk about our identity. What matters most? How I project myself to others 
or who I really am before God? Isn't that an interesting question? Are we live? You're, You're live. Um, isn't that one of the greatest challenges, particularly in the day and age which we live, is who we are versus who we project ourselves to be? Um, there's an interesting bit of work in a study done by a, a guy by the name of um, Bruce Hindmarsh, and uh, he did a lot of work on the life of John Newton. But he talks about sp uh, traditions in, in, and changes in the spiritual landscape that affect believers, and he's done a lot of watching the digital communications era and how that's affecting. He's got a bunch of areas he talks about, and funny, you, the first one you picked off here, Dan, is, is yeah. one of his big ones. He calls it posturing an image. Yeah. Which is we are, you know, if, as he talks about Facebook, and of course it's not just Facebook now, there's all kinds of other things with Snapchat and, and, and Instagram and everything else. Sure. But he says everybody on, is happy on Facebook, everybody seems to have a better life than I do, and uh, we are, you know, we're performers on a stage of social media, carefully crafting our appearance before an audience. So what you do, how you pose, how you present, it, is to give an image. Exactly. And you, we've forgotten who we really are. And in fact, there's a, a, he calls it a disembodiment, where we actually, it causes us all kinds of other issues, because when we are alone and that thing is shut off, we are in, the closed, in our room alone, we can have really deep personal struggles, because we can't keep up the image that's being presented. Exactly. Um, there's a big disconnect in there. So it, it, it leads to a facade, it leads to a lack of reality, it leads to meaningless and, and bubbly and looking good relationships, but really actually rather empty relationships. There can be benefits, you can connect, but there are danger zones in there, you know? Well, I'm afraid that much of it is just, you know, look how cool my life is, look how cool my vacation is, you know? And I, I'm just thinking about what the Bible says, Psalm 51, you delight in truth in the inward being. You teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Second uh, Corinthians 10, it's not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. And so what I want to say is, is that really in the kingdom of God, it is the cultivation of inner grace mm -hmm. that pleases God. It is not the projection of outer appearance. That's, didn't, didn't that remember the story of choosing David, you know, it's, it's not the one that, 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 that looks so good because man looks at the outside and God looks at the heart. Now, listen, I'm, I'm a realist here and we use, I, I personally do not have Facebook. I'll, I'll explain that when we talk about how we use our time, um, but my wife does. We use it as a tool to maintain communication within our family. And again, I, we're not going to criticize or make rules about any social platform or anything like that. But, you know, we need to live as Christians, sorry for sort of a trendy phrase, but we need to live in Realville. Mm -hmm. Some of us did gain 15 pounds at Christmas time. You know, some of us do have a zit in the middle of our forehead. <laughs> and, you can get and, rid of that now. Yeah, I know, I know. And um, <laughs> honestly, your comb over doesn't fool anybody. Um, the reality of the... You know who you are. Uh, the reality of the matter is, as Christians who love the Lord Jesus, you know, the Bible never describes what the Lord Jesus looks like. Did you ever think about that? You know what it tells us? It tells us about what He was like. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. I don't know how you would put that on Facebook. So let's just be careful that 
We don't turn what could be a useful social platform for communication into a, a display of self. That's carnal. That's fleshly. And by the way, let me add something to this. I have a number of young believers who come to me and tell me that they are deeply wounded by some of what other people possess and what other people can do. There are people who can't afford to go on fabulous vacations. Mm -hmm. There are people who can afford to live in fabulous homes. There's nothing wrong with that. God has given that to you. Please enjoy it. He's given us things to enjoy. Just remember that if you continuously post that sort of thing, you can arouse jealousy. You, you, you can actually crush others who are not financially as blessed as you are. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes putting things on Facebook are a great unkindness to others. So let's be sensitive to the fact that not everybody has what we have mm. or enjoys the things that we have. Is that, is that a reasonable thing to ask, I think? Please clap for me. Well, I just want to, uh, I agree with everything that's been said and I uh, just want to come back to a point that you made earlier. Our God is a jealous God. He is, he is jealous of that which he owns. And he is jealous in that he will have no rivals. And so I want to come back to uh, something that Dan has already touched on, and that is our time. Mm -hmm. God, we have 24 hours in a day. And if we are going to basically split that up, we could split it up like this. We have roughly eight hours of sleep. And we have roughly eight hours of work. And there are eight further remaining hours. Now, that sounds a lot, doesn't it? Because in our busy, busy lifestyles and schedules, we, we don't feel like we've got a spare eight hours. But if we analyze our lives, we really do have and can make time. But we fill our time up. Yes. Sometimes with unnecessary things. And so we find here that God, he, he is unrivaled and he wants to remain unrivaled. And so if there are things in our lives through the advent of technology and through because of social media, etc. If there are things in our lives where we find we have become too busy, let's see what we can just simply cut out. Mm -hmm. That brings us back to Hebrews chapter 12. Yes. Lay aside every weight. There are things that are not necessarily sins. Now, we have talked or made reference to already that there are things that are sinful. But the things that are not necessarily sinful but they weigh us down in the Christian life and they take up our time and we could possibly do without them. So let's consider those things seriously. If there's anything that I can cut out that is not necessary to make more time for spiritual things, which of course will have eternal value. Along that, can I just add one verse? I thought it was a verse you were going to read in, in 1 Corinthians. Ah. Um, we, it's a great verse. It's a good life verse. Yeah. All things are the glory of God. Two times, two very similar verses. All things. Right, all things are lawful, yeah. not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, not all things build up. Or in chapter yeah. 6 of First Corinthians, the same verse basically. All things lawful, not all things helpful. All things are lawful. I will not be dominated hmm. by anything. 
here's our problem. There's domination and there's spiritual ADD. I make a joke sometimes about there. I go with my OCD, you know, moving the thing. My, you know, I probably could be diagnosed. My mind's always spinning, you know. But these things don't help us because there's reminders, buzzers, everything going on. No. I turn off all notifications on mine. I don't want to be notified until I look at it. But um, I noticed. <laughs> yeah. Have I not responded to you on something? Or? <laughs> um. <laughs> no, but the Ecclesiastes says the eye never has enough of seeing nor the ear of hearing. And, right. it, and it feeds that thing. Yeah. What you read in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I'm sorry, I did want to read that too. It, it is all things are lawful, not all things are helpful. I will not be dominated by any. Everything in your life has a servant-master relationship, mm. one way or the other. The question is, is this my master? Or is this my servant? Now, when it comes to time, let me just tell you the results of a recent study. And, I, you know, let's, let's just do some practical speaking here. This is done by the LA Times, that people are now devoting an average of seven hours and 38 minutes daily to media use. Now, do some math for me. That's 53 hours a week. That's more than a full-time job hmm. being given to media. And I just... You know, and the problem is, is that I'm going to say something about myself here now. You, you were honest, and I'm going to say something. I find myself so easily distracted. I see something, and there's a sidebar. They're experts at putting sidebars yeah. up, and I click at that, and I click at that. Do you know what? Uh, a recent study showed that often it takes 30 minutes to come back to the original topic. It's all rabbit holes. Mm -hmm. It's just rabbit holes, and it, it, it leads you into it. Mm. All right. One of the things that I want to do this afternoon is just give you some practical tools to help you in this. So here's a first start at that. Why don't you just try and keep a track of your online life for a little while? That just how much scary. time you're spending. I think it would scare us all to death. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I'd be honest with that. And then set some time limits for your media use. Because I'm with Brother Clive. Uh, I remember a man, you didn't know him, some of the other people here did, a man named Frank Piercy. Hmm. He one time nearly gave an entire conference cardiac arrest, which he loved to do. He loved to say provocative things. Those of you who remember him, we love him profoundly. He said, I don't find time to read my Bible. And of course, all the gray hairs went over on the seat, you know. Frank just grinned and looked at them and he said, I have to make time Amen. to read my Bible. Hmm. Look, folks, your life is a series of choices. Mm -hmm. And if you find that this thing is being used without a conscious choice, mm. you are well on your way to being mastered mm. by this thing in your hand. I, mm. I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. We talk about spiritual disciplines. I'll tell you one thing I do. I have periods of my life where I just turn this off. Yeah. My wife has alternate ways of reaching me, but I turn it off. Because that's the only way that I can find time to enjoy communion with God. And I don't know what your objective in life is, but I'm going to spend eternity with Him. Mm. And I'd kind of like to get a head start on getting to know Him here. And so I can't tell you what to do. I can only make what I hope are healthy suggestions based on a lot of experience. And that is this. Sometimes just turn it off. Mm. If you find that after 15 minutes you're drumming your fingers and you're reaching in like an ex-cigarette smoker, you have an addiction. Mm -hmm. 
You have, a, you have a serious psychological problem. And in the presence of God, that needs to be addressed. So if you can't do that, uh, I would advise that you get spiritual help mm. from elders or family members that can counsel you and guide you. Because I need to master this. I cannot allow myself to be addicted by it. And we, we have to take those things very, very seriously. And I remember a brother saying this. We often go away from a conference like this <clears throat> and we, we talk about these things and we listen to these things and uh, we then go away and there's no real change in our lives. But we have to genuinely go away from a, a time like today and make definite changes in our lives. The Lord Jesus spoke these words. Dan has just said, that you have to get to a point sometimes when you just cut, just turn it off and uh, spend time with the Lord. And we, we have to do that in, in various ways and, uh, and, and for protection too. Because we know that as we've, been, we've spoken about rabbit warrens and things can lead in and you spend yeah. too much time and... The Lord Jesus said, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. Mm -hmm. If your right hand offend thee, cut it off. And, and I, I remember this graphically coming to me, brothers and sisters. By the way, I want to say this. Don't let anyone be fooled in this arena, this uh, auditorium, to think that these three men sitting here are exempt from the temptations, the failures, that we all face. Amen. We are all the same. And I well remember the right hand generally controls the mouse. If you're right-handed. No, I'm left-handed, but my right hand controls the mouse. So we ambidextrous, gotta, we I suppose. We've got to give you some help. But, yeah. <laughs> but I well remember this scripture coming to me. If thy right hand offend thee, cut it off. Pull the plug. Do something about it. And God will honor that. Mm -hmm. And you, we, we will see. So if now, for, and again, we'll discuss this in a while, I'm sure. But for men and women, there are different things. Absolutely. Sisters, if it's wasting time, cut it off. Brothers, if it's looking at things we shouldn't, cut it off. And that goes both genders. Of course it does. In fact, recent statistics yeah. say almost equally. Mm -hmm. Recent statistics. So Sad. that's okay. Yeah, but keep okay. Going. Sure. In this country. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it must be America. But no. <laughs> but no, it is. But but no, on a very, very serious note, we need to take these things seriously. The Lord Jesus addressed these things with absolute solemnity and in seriousness do something about it mm -hmm. now I'm just gonna make this comment and I'll finish yeah when we came to the point of conversion preacher's favorite lie <laughs> <laughs> when we came to the point of conversion there was a great transformation in our lives whether we knew it or not there was still a great transformation in our lives now, for, for, for those who were saved later in life and came from the world, etc., that transformation is more obvious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
But the scriptures will teach us that there is a transformation in the life of every, every individual that trusts Christ. Amen. When the, when the Ephesian believers, or when the Ephesian people became believers, they heaped up their books and they burned them and they got rid of them yeah. with the thought that we're not going back to this. And sometimes I feel that as Christians we've kind of lost sight of this, this distinction in the Christian life, uh, this finishing with the old, yeah. and we kind of muddy the waters and, and, con and, and continue on with things that we, really we're better off just burning it and getting rid of it. Getting yeah. rid of it. Yeah. So let's be aware of that. Let, let's talk about the purity issue just for a minute. I, our time is really jetting by and there are some things we just want to say. Um, I'm quoting from the scriptures now, the works of the flesh are evident. In the moral world, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. In the spiritual world, idolatry and sorcery. In the social world, enmity, strife, jealousies, anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. <clears throat> Media <clears throat> is an amazing tool for the devil to deliver temptation. Let me just cover some things, and everybody thinks I'm going to run immediately to sexual sin, but I want to astonish you by leaving that till last, because there's more than sexual sin. I appreciated your comment about covetousness, yeah. because this delivers continuous advertising that wants to convince you that your life is not fulfilled until you have the latest and greatest. By the way, that actually gets to another topic that we won't get to, and that is the stewardship of your money. Mm -hmm. If you always have the latest technology, you're going to be broke. I just saw the price of the new iPhone. <laughs> I'm stuck. <laughs> but there is temptation to covetousness. There is temptation to gambling, for example. Young men love sports sites, okay? But often those sports sites are sponsored and largely advertised on by gambling. And of course they start out with free gambling and then penny gambling. But the bottom line is, it is the devil's attempt to suck you in Amen. to gambling. Mm -hmm. And that is a temptation that a Christian cannot allow. It there are issues of, and I know this is more the past, but stealing intellectual property of software and music and DVDs. There is the issue in universities of cheating on tests and plagiarism. And there are the very serious issues of gossip and spreading lies and character assassination. And of course the vileness of pornography that abuses bodies, destroys lives ruins marriages, disqualifies people from assemblies. This is serious stuff, folks. And I think we need to just remember what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 4. This is the will of God, your holiness, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. You're holding on to something that can destroy your life. It's only the grace of God that will keep you from that. 
A man 200 years ago wrote something that I've never forgotten. He said, I do not trust myself for a single moment, for if not kept moment by moment by the grace of God, there is no depth of sin into which I will not fall. You say, how did he quote that without an error? I'll tell you why I could quote it in front of you, because I say it to myself every day. Brothers and sisters, we're living in a dangerous world. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Now, I'm going to just move on from that topic. I think I've just said what needs to be said. So let me just talk a little bit about fellowship, because Dan's been talking about community. Is this an, a help or a hindrance to our Christian community? Now, I'm going to just say that I think it's a help. I, I thought maybe you think I'm just going to go off on a rant, but I'm not. I love the fact that I am in contact with believers all around the world. And you know, prayer. Mm -hmm. I'm very touched. I remember when my father died. Within moments of his passing, there were believers that I did not know and they were in my face, helping me with grace in one of the toughest things I've ever faced in my life. I thank God for that. Amen. How, how could we stand here and criticize that? Hmm. But here's the problem. God loves face-to-face -face contact with His people. Remember that He said about His friends in the Bible, I knew them face-to-face. Hmm. And you know something, brothers and sisters, there's value in these Bible conferences. I know there were preachers that used to get up and complain that, you know, that the conferences were just pallies looking for sallies. That was a famous quote from years ago. And sort of suggesting that if your interest was not learning more about Ezekiel's wheels and wheels, that somehow you were spiritually deficient. I don't believe a word of that. I think a great, important facet of being here today is just being with my beloved Christian Absolutely. friends. I love Amen. this. But you know something? It's people, people are hard. People smell. People are awkward. People say rude things. People stomp on each other's toes. It isn't easy work to be with God's people. Uh -huh. It isn't easy to be poked together in a local assembly with people that you wouldn't normally be associated with. But can I tell you there's great blessing? I, I've been in assembly fellowship for a long, long time, and it just delights me to no end. I look out in an audience like this. There's people that I've known here for 40 and 50 years, and there's people that I've met here for the first time, and I wouldn't, other than at home with my wife, <laughs> there isn't a place on earth that I would rather be right now than with you. Okay. That's not just preacher talk. Mm. I mean that from my heart. Let's not let this be used as a tool to keep people at arm's distance and still call them your friend. Mm -hmm. Let's be real friends. Let's put our arms around each other. Tell fellow believers that you love them. And if it's holy, give them a kiss. Okay? Amen. I'd like to say something uh, in, that I think will fit in with that, Brother Dan. It is absolutely essential that we don't use these things to divide the people of God or keep us apart. That's what you were just saying, Amen. right? Amen. One way that is possible 
is this. And again, I, I don't want to be unnecessarily hard. I'm certainly not bringing any rules in or, or things like this. But be very careful that you don't substitute meetings for listening Amen. to sermons. Amen. Because I have met Christians that say, well, I can get that. I, I don't have to come to the conference because they're recording it. And I'll just wait till they've downloaded on the website and I can listen to it then. You are missing out on being together. And Dan has spoken about other reasons that keep us apart and negative reasons. Sure. And sometimes we use this as a kind of a positive reason. But you know the main thing of being together is this. God is here. And I want to be where Christ is. Yeah. And so these are times for us to come together. We're in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. So don't think, oh, I'll just miss the Wednesday night meeting and I'll just listen to a sermon online instead. It cannot be the same. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Let me add to that just, just really quickly. Let's make sure that social media is never, ever used to discuss assembly difficulties. When discipline is carried out in God's assembly or other things occur, it's a very sad and tragic time. Mm. It's a time for weeping. It is a time for introspection. The Bible says, consider yourself, lest you also be tempted. And there's not one person in this room that is not capable of sin that will take them away from God's assembly. Not one. And that starts with the three men up here. And I just want to say this. Social media is no place to spread that sort of thing. Yeah. That is something that stays securely within the boundaries of a local assembly, period. And character assassination and other things are just unthinkable. Our job when people are put away from God's assembly is to see them restored as quickly as possible. Mm. Our job is to put that behind them so that they can live future lives for God's glory. One of the problems of the internet is, is that the internet never forgets. I'm just going to tell you something as a person who knows this from the inside of technology. There may be websites and there may be places that promise that, you know, when you erase something, it's erased. That is absolute, that's an absolute lie. There is nothing that is ever put on the internet that is not there forever. Even if the original company intends to erase it, there are other people who have scraped that data. Sorry for that expression, but they have scraped that data before it's been erased. And it would be a sad thing for a young man or a young woman who early in life made a mistake and sinned, that years later when they were exercised about maybe serving the Lord or occupying a place of leadership in God's assembly, if someone were to resurrect things, that should have been long forgotten. So let's be really careful about that. God's assembly is a precious thing. Mm. And God's people are precious people. Let's make sure that our interactions conform to the highest standards, really, of holiness. Keep personal things off the internet. Let's talk about that last. Let's talk about privacy. Should we put everything about our lives on the internet, Dan? Your life? Your life. Uh, the, obviously, it's a rhetorical question. It it's, the answer is no. 
Um, personalities affect a lot of this. Like some people are, you know, here I am, and others are very private. Um, some people are adapt. You know, sometimes you get really nervous when your grandmother grabs your phone. You don't know what's going to go up and who it's going to go to. Um, there's a difference here, but the technology is changing so quickly, and our ability to adapt to it, to use it, to profit with spiritual principles in place is very, very crucial because there's tremendous benefits from some of these things. I mean, sure. you want to study your Bible, you've got more tools than you've ever had, okay? You've got it on your fingertips. Um, but there's also dangers that we see in this. Privacy, there is an accountability, there is a transparency in relationships, but there's nothing, nothing, nothing like sitting face-to-face -face or talking to somebody. Yeah. Um, communicating on that level. You will develop relationships that if they have been initiated, like real normal relationships, can be continued in an electronic format, but not in a public forum, okay? Exactly. And, and that's the difficulty, and that's the thing we have to watch out for, because it's not to be done before everyone. See, I'm going to tell you something that every person in this room needs to hear. If it's free, the thing that is being bought and sold is you. I want you all to hear that. If you have, is Facebook free today? You don't pay for Facebook, do you? No? It's not free. I want to tell you something. Do you know who the product is on Facebook? It's you. If you have a Gmail account, is it free? Is Gmail free? I think so. I don't have it. Um, do you know who the product is? It's free being to, the, yeah. to the supposed user. Yeah. yeah. Do you know who the product is that's being bought and sold? It's you. Because every one of your emails is data mined for information about you. Now, I'm not saying that's a totally bad thing, but you need to be aware of that. You're the product in this great equation. There are things about us that need to be private. I'm looking out at some great friends of mine out here. Bill, I'm going to pick on you for a minute. There are conversations that take place between Bill and I that are not the business of anyone else in the universe. There are things in my home, between my wife and I and my children and my grandchildren, that are absolutely no one else's business. There are things about our bodies. You want to get some reality here? Sexting is sin. Don't ever do it. Because God expects you to keep your body private with the exception of your doctor and the person that you're married to. There are in, there's information about one's possessions. There's information about one's possessions and, and beliefs. There's information about other people in the assembly. And they deserve privacy. Would you be careful with other people's privacy? Mm -hmm. Would you be careful with your own privacy? That will honor God. And I think you'll find that um, assembly life will go much smoother mm. when we show the right kind of respect for other people and their privacy and their space. Especially in this form. In I this mean, form. It's, it's bad enough exactly. anyways in yeah. some of our circles. Via electronic media, mm -hmm. things go <clears throat> worldwide instantaneously. And some of it should never have left the very first. In fact, I would say this. If you're struggling with a fellow believer, don't write them a letter. Yeah. That kind of thing gets twisted, and it, it often brings great disaster. And if you get a letter, pick up the phone and call back.
maybe. Yeah, but deal with things face to face. If, you've, if I've got a, a problem with Clive, I don't need to be talking to Dan about it. Amen. I don't need to be emailing other people. What I need to do is grab Brother Clive and say, Brother, I love you, and here's something we need to talk about. Mm. That's how real relationships mm -hmm. work. Amen. And they work among God's people, and they build what Dan has been talking about. They build community. Mm -hmm. They build fellowship. Mm -hmm. They encourage you know, Christ-likeness in us. So uh, again, I, I, it's time to quit, because we've got to preach the gospel. Can, can I just say Please, one thing here? Go ahead. Um, there's, there are a lot of helps out in this department. Um, Dallas Willard has written some interesting books on the spirit of the disciplines, things like this. But just some simple things like planning into your life a time of solitude. I mean, this is like the pot calling the kettle black. Like, don't take it from me because it's true, not because I've learned it. But planning solitude, a time of silence, a time of where you do shut off, like he's saying, you know, a, a time when you actually get out of your world <clears throat> and you have quiet time to literally hear God speak. Yeah. And that might mean you not speaking at all. It doesn't even mean, there's a difference between Bible study and meditating on a passage or a word or anything. And we need that. We need some, we need to dial it back sometimes because we live in an age that is just constant bombardment. Good. You know what we're going to do? We, we're, time is getting away from us. We're going to pray. 